So this is a spot where when you do raise, you're gonna be getting it in almost entirely against hands that you're roughly flipping against. And you don't want to get it in roughly flipping. You'd much rather get it in as a big favorite when we're playing in this scenario, because remember, there's that 10 big blind stack hanging out at the table. And the fact that that 10 big blind stack is at the table completely overrides any ability for you to raise in a middle stack versus middle stack scenario, because both of you really don't want to go broke. And you may think that, oh, if he doesn't want to go broke, I should raise him a lot, right? Uh, not really, because sometimes you're going to wake up with a good hand, and when that happens, you're just out. Hello, everyone. I'm Jonathan Little. I want to welcome you to episode 334 of Weekly Poker Hand. We have a fun one today. If you've missed any of the previous episodes of Weekly Poker Hand, make sure you check those out. Those are all available for free for you on YouTube. While you're there, click like, click subscribe. I would appreciate it. Today, we have a hand from the $1,500 buy-in tournament at Best Bet Jacksonville. First place in this tournament is $69,000, so very, very solid field they attracted. Let's take a look at the current chip counts. Right now, at the final table, uh, the blinds listed here are slightly wrong. They're actually going up after this hand. The blinds are now 10,000, 20,000 with a 20,000 ante. So Chris here, well, Chris R, has a short stack of only 10 big blinds. Everybody else has 25 big blinds or more, and a lot of people have 30 to 40 big blinds. This is a scenario where everyone wants to avoid going broke before the short stack, Chris R. Because if you just hang out, you're pretty much guaranteed to collect a free payout jump. And now at the final table, payout jumps are starting to become pretty relevant. So you really, really, really don't want to go broke as a medium stack. So with that in mind, let's watch this hand. If you're listening to this on iTunes or a, a podcast app, by the way, there's video available at uh, youtube.com slash poker coaching. All right. Brian C with a 35 big blind stack raises it up to three big blinds with pocket sevens. I typically use a smaller raise size, but whatever. He uses a three big blind size. Brian D also with that um, 35-ish big blind stack opts to call with queen jack of hearts in the hijack seat. That is also fine. Folds around to Chris A in the big blind with pocket tens. Now look, Chris A is actually in that pretty tough spot I just outlined where he really doesn't want to go broke before the 10 big blind stack. He's sitting here with 25 big blinds. He is the second shortest stack. And also, alarm bells would kind of be going off in my mind if I saw Brian C make it three big blinds, especially if he normally made it two big blinds or 2.2 big blinds. That said, if this is the standard raise size for Brian C, I think you just have to make the play that will give you the best chance of getting a hold of a chip stack and go all in. That said, I would be perfectly fine with calling here too. Do not think that you must take this hand like pocket tens and just rip it in. Now, if the blinds were smaller, if they were back to a 15,000 big blind and let's say he was facing a three big blind raise, then I think calling is actually way more viable. But with a 25 big blind stack, you probably just have to jam the tens. Um, but calling's fine too. I, I don't want you to think that you must just get it all in with the tens here because you really don't want to find yourself all in. And if you know, let's say Brian C's kind of tight and he's raising the three big blinds under the gun, plus one, he probably has something pretty good, right? And if he probably has something pretty good, you want to avoid getting it all in against that range because it's just going to be aces, kings, queens, jacks, and ace, king. Okay. Flop come. He does decide to call. Okay, flop comes. Queen, seven, six. This is an action flop. This gives... Brian C, the initial raiser, a set, a literal set. And it gives Brian D top pair with a flush draw, two super premium hands. So how do you think this is going to go down? 
go ahead and pause the video. Ask yourself, how is this hand going to go down? We see Brian C. already reaching for chips, so Brian C. is going to bet. What do you think Brian D. should do with this top pair in his flush draw? Should he fold? No. Should he call? Or should he raise? And if he's going to raise, should he raise big or little? Take a second. Think about that, because this is important. In this scenario, Brian C. is reaching for chips, pots 210,000. He bets 75,000, so he makes a small bet on this board. And now, this is very important, with this queen jack of hearts, you must call. Because if you raise and get re-raised all in, which very easily could happen here given the stack sizes, right? If you bet 200, or if you, if you bet, um, someone bet 75 and then you raise to let's say 175 or 200, now, when it gets back to Brian C, he only has 600,000 remaining, allowing him to just rip it all in with his best hands. Aces, kings, queens, sevens, sixes, and ace, ace, did I say ace, queen? Ace, queen, and king, queen. And he's very likely to fold the under pairs. And he's also very likely to, um, you know, just call with the few worse hands in his range that are actually getting a decent price to continue, like eight, seven of spades, right? So this is a spot where when you do raise, you're going to be getting it in almost entirely against hands that you're roughly flipping against. And you don't want to get it in roughly flipping. You'd much rather get it in as a big favorite when we're playing in this scenario because remember, there's that 10 big blind stack hanging out at the table. And the fact that that 10 big blind stack is at the table completely overrides any ability for you to raise in a middle stack versus middle stack scenario because both of you really don't want to go broke. And you may think that, oh, if he doesn't want to go broke, I should raise him a lot, right? Uh, not really, because sometimes you're going to wake up with a good hand, and when that happens, you're just out. At least you're in bad shape. All right, so anyway, back around to Chris. Chris uh, completely loses no chips in this hand with his pocket tens. And now back to Brian C. So I just said that Brian D, with his queen jack of hearts, should definitely call. What about with a set? Well, with a set here, a set is in great shape. Whenever Brian D raises you on this flop, he's going to have a whole lot of uh, decently strong made hands, which you clearly crush with your set, and draws, which you also crush. And this is an interesting spot because of the dead cards that were folded. It actually turns out Brian D only has 30% equity, which is not a lot. Normally when you have top pair and flush draw, you're not thinking you have 30% equity. But when you raise someone's continuation bet, who's probably a tightish player raising from early position, and then get re-raised all in on the flop, you're actually in very bad shape. So... How do you not find yourself in bad shape? You just call the flop bet. It is mandatory, mandatory, mandatory for Brian D to just call the flop bet here with a top pair, bad kicker, and a flush draw. Because if a little bit of money goes into this pot, Brian D loves it. He probably has the best hand. But if a lot of money goes in this pot, top pair and flush draw is actually not where you want to be. So it gets back around to Brian C., he goes all in with his pocket sevens, which is the only viable play in this scenario because really he'd rather Brian D fold. Like he doesn't actually even want to get it in against a flush draw here. I know that some of the cards are dead, so he's in reasonable shape, but like you'd rather your opponent just fold. Gets back around to Brian D with his queen jack of hearts. This is a bad spot, but I mean, you just have to call it off. You don't know that you're in terrible shape against the set. Quite often you're going to be against aces, kings, ace, queen, etc. So you actually have more equity on average than this 30%, usually going to be at like 40 45% somewhere in there. And he gets shown the bad news. He's going to have to get lucky to, to not fully double up the 35 big blind stack of Brian C. And if Brian D loses his hand, he is going to be the shallow stack then. 
And um, that's exactly what you do not want to have happen. So how do you sidestep this? Board, right down, board does run out blanks, by the way, in the pocket seven scoops a giant pot. How do you avoid this? Well, the answer is recognizing that in this scenario, when there are immense payout implications, because there is one 10 big blind stack at the table, your goal is to just not get all in without a big equity advantage. And if he played this hand more cautiously, he would have called the flop, called the turn, and then he would have folded on the river and he would have not gotten stacked. But instead, because he raised the flop and bloated the pot, he ended up finding himself in a giant all-in pot as a substantial underdog, and this time it did not work out. Thanks for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more strategy lessons, pre-flop charts, and interactive quizzes, make sure you get your free membership to pokercoaching.com right now at pokercoaching.com slash free. I'll talk to you next time.